welcome back to Everything is Annoying. It's been over a year. Uh, we are on the tail end of the coronavirus in 2021. I um, was just getting ready to launch a, with a whole network and do all this stuff. Everything was taking off last year and uh, right before March and then coronavirus hit and I had to go into a cocoon and nurse my mental torpor like the rest of you guys. And, um, yeah, and, you know, I just kind of felt like maybe complaining during the global pandemic was a little bit trite. So I just wanted to hold off on that <laughs> while people were, well, there was like a poverty inducing pandemic. I just thought, you know what, let's, let's, uh, step back, maybe like do a reset. Um, and then I spent all of 2020 resetting. So <laughs> I'm just now starting to regrow my brain cells, and I really, really miss you guys. I miss this show. I miss talking to you. I miss hearing from you. I miss hearing all your gripes and um, listening to all the dumb, meaningless stuff that we have to navigate to stay sane. But now we're re-entering society. It's 2021. The vaccines are here. A third of the country is already completely vaccinated, which means it's, you know, it's not long before enough people hopefully go out and um, get their vaccines and we can, you know, be a, a fairly safe society again um, until all the mass shootings come back, which they've already started up. Like the second the vaccines rolled out, it was mass shooting time. But I digress. Um, before we get into the show, I want to get into some housekeeping and some updates. So first of all, I accidentally permanently deleted my Twitter account when I dropped social media for a few months to write and to do some stuff at the top of the year. I had some major projects going on and I loved it. It was very peaceful, but I lost like a decade of tweets and thousands of followers. So if you could be a deer and help find me on Twitter, we can, that's where we can like DM, lol together, kvetch, you know, uh, yeah bitch with me directly. Um, and I'm going to be obviously taking my submissions over there. So my Twitter name is Vevers, which is my nickname. It's V-E-E-V-E-R-S. Please go find me over there. And then um, I also started a Patreon, which I know is a very basic bitch of me, but you know what? It costs money to make this thing and it takes a lot of time. And there's people who are employed by this. So um, if you guys could give me a little subscribe, um, sign up for one of the tiers, whatever tier you want. The higher the tier, the more participation you get, the more perks you get, the more benefits you get. But all of you guys, if you sign up, get a weekly newsletter called The Weekly Gripe, and you get exclusive content from me. You get early access to the podcast. You get to hear things that didn't make it onto the podcast that were too embarrassing. Um, all kinds of exclusive content things that, uh, you know, special guests, things that I don't, that aren't part of this programming. So, um, and you'll just get like random thoughts and stories and little juicy celebrity gossip and things like that. So go, go over there. It's a uh, patreon.com slash everything is annoying. And, um, let me know what you think. I also want feedback on everything because I'm starting fresh you know, leave me a review unless you hate it, then please don't leave me a review. That's so mean. Just keep it to yourself. And, um, if you have feedback for me, things you like, things you don't like, I actually do read all your comments. You can hit me up on my website, on Twitter. We have an Instagram account at everything is annoying. And it's mostly me just trying to be like a middle-aged meme Lord, but this is where you can submit ideas, send me shit you want to talk about, what you want to hear about, I really, really appreciate it. And if you can tag me and tell people about the show, that would be gorgeous because it'll help me find some sponsors and hopefully a whole entire ass new network. Um, so that's my, you know, immediate goal. And in the meantime, sign up for my Patreon, support the podcast if you love it, subscribe and tune in for warm takes on food, fashion, politics, sex, dating, fuckboys, friendship, being Jewy, being a loner, stuff everyone likes, stuff everybody hates books, bullshit, and gossip. That's what I'm here for. Okay. So let's get into the show. First of all, I want to talk about something positive that I loved about 2020 since we're just getting the vaccines and seeing light and stepping out of hell into hell light. And that thing, 
I know we're in April, like, you know, it's a little late to be talking about 2020, but for me, it's January on the podcast. The thing that I really loved about 2020 was quarantining. You know, at first quarantining was awful. I was terrified like the rest of you. And I, I think I cried literally every single day of that year. But that said, I eventually realized that I actually really loved the isolation. I really loved quarantining. Now I wasn't alone. I was living with my boyfriend for a large chunk of it. And I was, uh, I had my, unfortunately I had a family emergency and had to basically, uh, you know, quarantine for two weeks on either side of a flight to go safely see my dad so I could go take care of him. And then once I got there, I obviously stayed for as long as I could because we all thought we were going to die. And it was super scary. It was still the beginning of the pandemic. And, um, you know, just being with my family was the most important thing to me, being with the people I loved. I did not socialize. I did not see people. I was even too nervous to just like chill outside. You know, I really refrained. I, I went to go see my best friend in her backyard. I babysit her daughter, but that was about it for me. Like I really saw five people in all of 2020. Um, and that was after enormous safety precautions. So I was maybe a little bit too much on the safe side. However, um, you know, I really liked it. Like I, I loved, I learned that I love the isolation. I'm already extremely clean and hygienic. So my, my house is always in good shape. So I didn't have to change my normal routine. I clean everything obsessively. I wash my hands until they're too dried rocks every day. You don't even need to like ask me to do that. And I also just spent a ton of time alone to write and to read and to do, you know, self-care and things that I hadn't really afforded myself before. Um, and also no more phone calls. It's, it finally became okay to decline phone calls. I, I mean, I, I had to do video zooms for work when I, when I finally started working again, but like not having to text or email people back in a timely manner, unless it's completely urgent and work related was such liberation. And I'm a freelance writer, so I'm already, I already have some freedom from that. Like I, I really don't envy people who have office jobs, even though I'm so happy for you. They got to keep those. Work was the most important thing last year to keep us alive. But all forms of correspondence after 2020, to me, are violent. That's violence. Do not call me without texting me first and giving me a trigger warning. Ask me if we can have a call because you know what? Talking to someone on the phone is so mentally exhausting now. Like I, I need a minute to get out of this PTSD state and I love my cocoon. So like, let me ease back in. Stop asking me to just casually hang out when I haven't seen you in years, first of all, not just 2020 and be like, Hey girl, I know we all miss each other, but do you have any fucking idea what it's like for people who developed agoraphobia <laughs> to then just like, don't DM me and be like, Hey girl, let's chill. It's, are you kidding me? I need to ease back into my old way of life. That could take a long time. Now there's pressure on me that I don't need. I'm already, I already have enough problems and I'm not speaking about just myself. I'm saying this on behalf of everyone who feels like this, which is pretty much everyone I've talked to. Like, I don't know if you are just one of those people who can't wait to get back to party, read the room, think about how close you are to the person that you are DMing on social media being like, Hey girl, time to party. Let's hang out. Call me like, let's Bob. I want to see you. I don't want to see you. I love all of you. I love every friend in the whole entire world. I am not ready to see anybody, but my, the person that I'm sleeping with, the family members who I love, and my best friends. That's all I can handle right now. Please be respectful of that. Not me personally, everyone. Um, of course, you know, I'm old, I guess. I guess like Gen Z and millennials are probably like, whatever, bitch. Snoring coke, having parties. I'm not jealous of you. I'm happy for you. I'm just not one of those people. Okay. Anyways, so I just, you know, wanted to say that I wanted to start this podcast off saying something that I liked as a change of pace before I got into my gripes. But, um, of course it turned into, you know, something I hate, which is like casual DMs of hanging out. It's just such violence. Uh, but another thing that I did like about quarantine is I, I did read a ton of books. I actually finally read the classics. 
And, you know, my guilt stack is over. I fucking went through. I didn't read all of them. I read a lot of them. My favorite book was Moby Dick. People complain about how Melville over-explained every tedious detail of the whaling industry and the ships. But I actually found that stuff, that over, that, you know, micro-detailed explanation of the sea and the business more interesting than, like, Ahab. You know, I love, I also loved how he described the ocean. He has like a thousand different ways of describing the ocean. And it's just a blank slate every single day. Like people go mad on the ocean. I learned all these things about seafaring life. And, you know, I, I've already been obsessed with whaling. I'm really into like whales and octopuses. And I'm just really interested in that. But I, I've been, in, I've been interested in whaling from an American history POV um, just because of the economic, historical, and class perspective of, of it all, but also just the physical might. Like, you know, I'm a Jew. Like, we're an indoor people. I can't relate to burly men being out on a on a ship trying to tackle, you know, a multi-ton whale together. I mean, that's just horrifying. So, you know, I, I remember the first time I went to Nantucket when I, when I used to live in New York, uh, I was going to visit a friend and I visited, by the way, that friend that I was going to go visit, her parents owned members only, the 80s, the 80s company members only. Google it if if you're too young to remember what it is. It's fucking amazing. Um, and, you know, she was showing me around the island. It was a little, it was honestly like too white for me. Like there's, there's, it was too waspy for me, I should say. I'm, I'm white, but there's too, it was too waspy for me, but very beautiful. Wood bang again. Anyhow, I visited the one little whaling museum there, which is so tiny and, it, you know, it takes people like 30 minutes to get through it. But for me, it, I, I was obsessed with it. I was in there for like half a day. My friends bailed. There's like pornographic scrimshaw and tools and, you know, every little thing about the sailors and the money behind the captains and the seafarers and the class warfare and the wikis that were running the lighthouses and I guess just because it's so foreign to me as a woman and a Jew, I just, and also just being alive today, that my mind actually kind of gets lost in the visuals and the sounds of all that stuff. So, you know, kind of a dorky discovery that I made while I was reading the classics. The other thing I discovered with all that time to myself is I always hate audiobooks. I won't listen to a book on audiobook, but I started doing self-help books because, you know, I was so miserable and holy shit self-help books on audio is like the greatest invention of all time. Every time I'm in my car, every time I'm going on a walk, anytime I need it, plug in and I listen to someone speaking to me like a therapist and giving me either motivational talks or telling me how to you know, heal myself in some way from anxiety and all these things that have been piling up. So I just highly recommend it. I'm sorry if everybody else in the whole entire world knows about this stuff and I'm new to it. But I just loved that combination of reading beautiful, old-fashioned, printed units, smelling them, turning the pages, being bummed when I was like, you know, only 20% of the book was left, knowing that I'm going to get to the end. And then also listening to every, you know, great classic, you know, book that I, that self-care on audio, I know this is a game changer for me. Like, this is how I'm going to do it from now on. Anyways, um, so now let's get into my gripes. That was, you know, tried to start off positive. <laughs> but let me get into my gripes. So, you know, there's really actually just too much to remember about 2020 that kind of, like, drove me crazy. Obviously, almost everything was online. There was the upside is there was, like, you know, there was no people around me. So it was truly a joy to just, you know... Uh, have no one around except the people I wanted to see, even though I miss folks. And I, I found that there was very little to complain about because there was no proximity to people. There was nobody around to annoy the shit out of me. So everything that bothered me mostly happened online. Um, so first, first gripe, first gripe of 2020, but I promise we're going to move into 2021 was white men. (laughs) And like, I, I'm a white woman, so I know I'm going down with the ship. Like, there's not much I can do, but I, I have to get this off my chest. Biggest gripe of 2020 was fucking white dudes. And they've, they're, that's an ongoing gripe. I, you know, I, I try not to be general on this podcast. However, these men removed the collagen from my face. Like, I look so old. 
I feel old. I mean, I have none left from Tiger King to the insurrection. I have fucking had enough. Everyone has. Um, We really got to see and get to see more than ever as we're trapped in our homes, how enabled this psychotic culture of firstness is, this me first. And I'm really, really glad that we're doing something about it. I'm going to talk to my first guest about this. So if you are a white guy, I want to apologize in advance because this is really not going to be pleasant for you. However, I also want to say, like, I love you. I date you. You're in my life. I need you. Men, we need you. You're like so hot. Some of the times, barely ever. We need you. And I'm obviously not talking about the sweetie pie helpers and allies and great guys out there which I thank God there are so many of. And you guys, we see you. We are proud of you. I am talking about angry white men. I am talking about clueless, spoiled. I've never heard the word no before. And now I have to hear it all the time. And I, and I hate it. Yeah, it hurts. Welcome. Welcome to everybody else's world. Um, obviously, I experienced pushback too because I'm, I'm a white woman and the whole white tears thing. That's okay. I would rather listen and feel like shit and help make the world a better place than cross my arms and sit down and pout, you know, like you get, you have choices. Um, the choices that I have seen are not good. Um, we need to do better. So biggest gripe, um, I'm getting really nervous for us to like go back to live music and have gatherings because especially like by left-wing artists, I mean, are we not going to be incredible targets? Just everybody be careful out there. Brand four years of hell, new world, kind of scary. Um, but anyhow, there are new levels to whiteness. You know, I used to hate dudes who were just like overpaid and mid, like I'm used to that. Everyone's used to that. But now I feel like there's Now I feel like guys who are just mid and overpaid, you know, it's better to be a tasteless blob of mediocrity and even centrism. That is still better than being a diseased QAnon, KKK adjacent, ATV owning, boat rally attending insurrectionist piece of shit. Like I, you guys give the country gas bubbles, you give, you terrorize us. So I think, I think we've got to actually, you know, I'm glad it all, it's all coming out in the open. It is not acceptable. Um, all right. I could go on forever about that. The second gripe that I have about 2020 was obviously late to the game. I discovered next door. I was only on it for three weeks before I was like, wait, what, what am I doing? I'm like cutting myself being on this fucking website. It was all Karens, snitches, narcs. I got into the, in the, in the short time that I was on that website, I live in West Hollywood. So you can imagine the drama that was going on in in my, you know, there's action. It's, it's filled with people. Um, but I got into a beef with a Karen who was, who complained that her shade tent that she bought for her backyard was stolen while she, before she had a chance to get it from her car into her backyard. And then she spotted it down the street in this massive homeless encampment that had just popped up in her neighborhood. And (laughs) she was like going crazy and all these people were enabling her. And I was like, so I got in there like an idiot and I engaged and I suggested at first very nicely that she consider it a donation to the poor as there were people that were literally starving and dying in drugs, especially in Los Angeles. We had a massive homelessness uptake. Um, and maybe she could just look at that as like a Christian act because, you know, and she had some super, super Christian name. Was shocked to find so many Blue Lives Matter people choosing to live in Boys Town. Like, I'm sorry if like it bewilders me when when like these neocons move to liberal areas like it, you you don't like other people. Why do you live in New York and L.A.? Go back to Orange County, where all the white people are rich. It is the highest number of organized white power groups in the nation. You can be with all your little friends. There's 33 groups alone on the in ACLU's Hate Watch site. Go enjoy it. Everybody votes like you. You got Katie Porter, you know, over there checking you. But you can chill in Huntington Beach with your silicon. Like, you don't need to be in Boys Town. Things are better here for us. This is 
this is the, the, the liberal haven. So, you know, go where you're not going to have to get on next door and, you know, spit bile. It's just a complete waste of energy. Um, lastly, last gripe of 2020 is culture writers on Twitter. Culture writers, especially East Coast, oh my God, these people are so enabled. Like they're their own little like like group of like delusional and they have so much self-importance. They, you know, it's not that I, I don't read the content. It's not that I disagree with everything they write or I don't enjoy their writing, but holy shit, they tweet self-righteous shit all day long, lots of bad takes, lots of like incredible mean girl shit of all, all genders, and they get super high off their own supply. Like these people are deeply fucking obnoxious. Like, yeah, go ahead, poop on some things. There's things to poop on. Turn them into a podcast about pooping on stuff. Start your own little gripe session. Make jokes. But do we need your 17,000 different hot takes on every trending topic topic for like 16 hours a day? We do not. And also try being a little kinder. Like, you know, the, the obsession that Twitter has with just being negative and jumping on stuff, that's cool. You do you. But like there are other ways to live. I'm just suggesting it. There, you can find happiness. You can hate things. You can things can drive you bananas, but you can still be kind. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, all right. Anyway, so let's get in the show. My first guest. Now that we're back, I'm easing into it. I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing some friends. I'd like to welcome my first guest, Sammy Junio. Now, if you listened to the show before, you've heard Sammy on. Um, you know, chime in here and there. Sammy's my producer and is responsible for editing out anything that would ruin my employment potential to make me laugh constantly. And you should follow Sammy on Twitter. It's spelled S-A-M-E-E underscore J-U-N-I-O. And on Instagram, they're at it underscore your underscore Sam. Trust me, it's worth it. Hi, Sammy. Hello. We were just saying before we started recording that um, that we miss each other. It's been so long. It has been uh, the longest year that has ever yeared. And then on <laughs> top of that, we weren't able to like see each other because of conflicting schedules and stuff. Yeah. Well, actually, also just conflicting mental states, my state, because... <laughs> I just couldn't do it. Like I, I, I felt really weird about complaining about anything in all of 2020, um, especially trite stuff, which is like, that's, that's like my favorite thing to do. And 2020 took that from me. I, I just, I'm so grateful now. I mean, I was grateful before for stuff, but I'm grateful for a lot more, you know, after that. Okay, so first of all, I just introduced you to everyone, but tell us what you do and talk to me uh, about what you've been doing professionally for the last year, and then we'll get into your 2020. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So uh, I am a technical director at a venue called Dynasty Typewriter. I am a a producer slash audio engineer for podcasts. And then my fun new quarantine hobby is a commercial act. Yeah. Oh, I was going to bring that up. So tell the people, uh, some people actually may may know you from this commercial because it's for the world's biggest brand, but tell tell them a little Mm -hmm. about your acting career. My acting career started, um, yes, my friend Danielle's sister, Lilac, is in casting. And um, I think she saw like pictures or whatever on my Instagram and Twitter and knew that I had a, a background in, in like audio engineering and stuff. And there was a specific shoot that was looking for real life people. Uh, and it was Apple. So it was like really, really wild to be uh, part of the talent pool and then to also like, I don't know what it is about commercials if you have any experience or any of your listeners do, but they don't tell you what you're doing until like half an hour before you're doing the thing. So I didn't even know they had plans to use my face as the beginning like shot at all. 
Yeah. So you, so we should tell people what, which commercial you were in. It's, it, it was, I mean, it slapped, but like, I was shocked to see, I was just watching, you know, TV or whatever. I don't watch TV, but I was streaming something. All of a sudden your face came on and I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like you opened an Apple commercial, Mm -hmm. but there was no speak. You didn't have a speaking part, but it's so, so what was it? What tell us about that? Yeah, so it was the uh, like the launch commercial for the iPhone 12. And yeah. it was huge. I didn't know it was going to be Apple until we were on set. They had a, a code name. But then like, I also feel like maybe it's because I'm not represented yet. Agents, hello. But I didn't. Hello. <laughs> like everyone else like kind of knew what it was for. And like even the director when they're like, okay, well, this is a shot. Um, you know what it's for, right? I was like. No, and they're like, "Oh, well, this is this is the opening shot, so have fun with it." I was just like, "Oh, what? <laughs> okay, sure." So how did so so you said that um, that this was your like like your entry, your for, foray into commercial acting? So did you did you start acting since the last time I talked to you? Yeah, I booked another commercial for Zappos, <laughs> and it, it came out like last week. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Wait, so this is like a whole new career path. I would like it to be. That's great. I mean, for for people who haven't seen Sammy, they're beautiful. Oh, goodness gracious. And hot, Thanks. like sexy and hot. Go on. Um. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I mean, I would I suggest Googling ASAP while you're listening with pullover. Google. Yeah, please pull um, over. That's so cool. Yeah, I've um I've been I was in a Casper commercial, but I did voiceover work. And actually I think I've done two commercials, but they're non-union. Yeah. And um it was super fun, but because I was voiceover, I just went into like a sound booth in, you know, oh, Culver sure. City or Santa Monica, wherever they are. But it was really fun. I mean, I actually work in commercial. I, I commercial saved me in 2020 because as a writer, I lost all my work. Um, production stopped. I write TV, film, and commercial treatments. I, I write Super Bowl. I wrote some Super Bowl ads. I've written three. What amazing! That's wild. I love it. I love it. Are you going to do more? I mean, I would love to, but I mean, like we are auditioning and stuff. But still, it's fun. So you, so that's so cool. So you, you have to audition still. Yeah. And that's good because it means you're beating out other people, right? Yeah, that like, feels like nice. And it feels like, I don't know, it feels like, you know, just a big old high five that I didn't know that I was able to be getting. So, I mean, that's, it's so scary. I, I totally respect all actors in that sense. Just like the contest part of it is so insane. Yeah. it Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a trip. Like I, I don't know. I kind of love it. <laughs> You do? Okay, so that's what I was going to ask. Like, is this a new thing for you? This whole acting thing has always been in my, like, heart and mind. And I have been in, like, some shorts and on screen for, like, some smaller things. But I never really gave myself, like, the opportunity to, like, really water those plants. Mm -hmm. Um, And so right now, like, booking the Apple commercial, booking the Zappos commercial, I'm also like battling all this like fear and insecurity and stuff that like I have had like three decades worth of time and lessons learned and things and growth to like to be like in a way better spot with myself than I would have like if I started younger. But there's also still that just like stone of like, I don't know if you can do this. So there's yeah, like everything that I've been doing everything it's been too like i know but it's a, your mind is cracked open and that this is a new that it's yeah. tapping into this thing you've kind of always wanted to do so it's real what you're thinking you're not like being delusional right it's exciting. i mean you do so much like you produce podcasts you work at dynasty you produce at dynasty typewriter which is an amazing venue um what are your podcasts that you're producing just so people know? Uh right now it's Everything is Annoying, uh, Mother May Sleep with Podcast with Molly McAleer, Forever 35 with Dory and Kate. Um we are working on something with Let's Go Otsko. How do you find time to do all of this? I I don't know. I feel like maybe it's because I've been doing this for so long that it doesn't take me as much time 
as it used to, but like well, with pandemic specifically, like my hours drastically decreased at, at Dynasty because we're we're live stream, but that also means like I'm not at the theater anymore, like puttering around and like uh, improving the space. By, by the way, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just for, for listeners who aren't in LA uh-huh. and might not know about this or like aren't dialed into the comedy scene, oh, like sure. Dynasty typewriter is in, located in a really special location in this old theater. Mm-hmm. I had a really good date there one night, but um, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's such a special place. It reminds me of kind of like Rafifi's back in the East Village and in, in the early 2000s, where you know all these up and coming comics and huge comics that would work on all the late night shows would go and you'd pay like five bucks to see you know Eugene Merman and. And all these like amazing people. And I, I, I've seen some amazing comedians there. Like Naomi Ekparagan is probably one of my favorites. I've seen her. Um, they, they all go through um, Dynasty, but it's just so cool that you're part of that family because it is independent and feels it's, it feels so good when you're in an independent space like that. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the creative directors and the owners of Dynasty Typewriter, they're just really lovely people and have a have a vision and a vibe that they go through. Like their whole thing is like when somebody walks through the doors, you're transported to a different mm-hmm. time. So you leave all your shit behind and like is absolutely what, what they've been able to do. Oh, so cool. Yeah. I do appreciate LA's old architecture when they repurpose it for spaces they they weren't intended for mm-hmm. like in today's world. I mean, it was an entertainment venue, but it was clearly, I mean, what it must be from the twenties or thirties. It's like so beautiful. It was in 1926 or 1927. It started out as a theater, shifted over to a movie theater and is now back to a theater theater. Oh, cool. I didn't even know that it was a movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, I don't know if it was one of the first, but it was a 3d theater in the eighties for a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. Amazing! Yeah. Oh my god, it's, it's so small. That's so cool. I know it's I'm wild to do that. I just wanted everybody to kind of know more about you and like all the creative things that you're doing. But you were talking about oh. fear. I really relate to this because I've been crippled by it for like so long. Yeah. Um, and I feel like you know, there's there's a whole element of being able to like close your eyes as tight as you can, like move past it and just ignore it. Like it, shove it away basically. Yeah. Uh, when did you first realize that you had fear and that it was stopping you from, you know, kind of going for the things that you wanted to do creatively? Sure. Um, I know this very specifically fifth grade, we were doing Alice in Wonderland as a play and I had an audition slot and it rolled around that it was my turn to go to the drama department the drama room to audition and i said no and there was like somebody from the drama club or the drama room like in the classroom uh, i think i don't know if it was i think it might have been language arts but they're like okay well it's your turn and i was like oh no nah, i'm not gonna go <laughs> like i won't do it and they're like uh okay and they're like you seem, I was just like, I, I feel sick. Or like, I like made excuses and then I didn't go. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was like me just like, like bolting myself to the chair. Like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever end up like going back into theater eventually or, or any school play stuff or I, even high school drama? Or? I did crew in, I think... Uh, I think it was high school, like freshman year. I did, I did crew. Uh, so I want to talk more about this because I, you know, I just find it so common among people, but especially creatives, but especially when they're kind of starting out something mm-hmm. like you've been doing production and engineering and those kind of behind the scenes stuff for so long. So that's why you're so confident about it. You, I mean, I can just say from the little that we've worked together, you there's, it's very chill and you know what you're doing and you're, you make decisions and you give really good guidance. Like you're not, you're not, you know, you know, it, it's clear, very clear that you know what you're doing and you're talented at what you do. And I think that's why you keep 
getting all this work. And by the way, you left off that you produced the um, Netflix show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I co-executive produced a historical roasts, which was a live comedy show that I produced. And then I uh, co-produced and wrote on let's go Osco uh, for Quibi. Um, but they ate shit before we got to film. So God, Quibi was such a, like, as soon as I read about it, I was like, why are they doing that? <laughs> like, if title yeah. is a flop, why would you do that with something that costs 40 billion times more? If you're going to, you know what? If you, the only short form content I want to see is from Vine. I will never get over <laughs> the laugh of Vine. Um, okay. So, so when did you, when you're feeling that, that, that panic okay. and that fear, how do you, how do you get past it? Um, like, how do you fight it? Wow. So, like insider info, I tried to just not show up to Apple. I tried to like in my brain, I was just like, yeah, you can just not show up. It's fine. Like they'll, they'll be fine. And like <laughs> even Zappa was like, it was a remote shoot. Like they sent me all the gear and I was just like, I was thinking my fear brain was just like, oh, maybe you can just tell them that you're sick or something. It's just like, and to to get myself out of it like i just i'm just like you you just got to do it like my i don't know like there's this whole thing of like when you're when you're scared about stuff about anything it always feels like if you mess up it will be the end of the world and uh it's it's never going to be the end of the world and like if things mess up then you just mess up like so many other people have have done the things that we do and have been fine whether it's perfect or not and when is the last time you saw something that was just like that's perfect and they probably did that in one take and 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 no edits whatsoever and so it's just like my friend actually uh in 2014 or 15 gave me the best advice i i have ever gotten um, and it's, it, he was just like, you need to get over yourself. And it sounds like very harsh, but it's also like, it's because all those little, like, all that fear in your brain is just like, oh, you fucking, you, you suck and people are going to notice and you're fucking dumb and ugly and you walk weird. And it's just like, nobody gives a shit about any of that. Just get over it. So it's like, okay, fine. Let's just, let's just do the thing. And you know, so basically, your your hack is to just force it, to force yourself, to just show up, to just show up, to just do the thing. Yeah, one step at a time. Yeah, I mean, I I've, I will say that being isolated for a year. Um, I mean, I shared my twenty twenty with my family. Yeah. Thank God, it took a really long time to safely see see my my family, but. Right. We did, we had to quarantine. We did, it was a huge, huge logistical nightmare, um, but totally worth it. And, um, and I was uh, living with, you know, my boyfriend in a large part of 2020, which was incredibly comforting. Um, but, and he, and his small son, which was even more comforting. <laughs> small son. Yeah. His small, his small child. Um, poor kid was, you know, bouncing off walls. He didn't, he doesn't know what cabin fever is, but I, I've never seen, I mean, that's, I watched cabin fever happen. (laughs) God, he's losing his fucking mind. Um, But it was so nice to just be able to be quiet for the first time in my life, even when I wasn't working and I was scared and really didn't know much about the virus yet and thought, you know, my dad was going to like, my parents were going to like die any second. Like we, I think we all kind of worried about that. Um, I got, you know, I, I got to this really quiet place for the first time in my whole life, like where, like, I, I, I say this all the time, like, I want the virus to end, but I want the pandemic to continue. Yeah. A little bit. Because it, it, I mean, it's so, it's so nice to not be around people. Yeah. And to pick and choose who you want to give your time to. And we finally have an excuse for like not returning texts, not returning emails, not RSVing, peeing to shit. Like I never want to set foot in an, in an, in a, in a meeting room in an office that I have to, con- uh, unless it's a one-off, like a creative, I never want to go to an office for a baby shower as long as I live. Yeah. Like 
I never want to go to a group dinner again. I, I'm not going to a birthday party. It's like $120 every single time. You don't know who drank. It's like too much. Yeah. Um, too much. So I love this, like being with your people only kind of thing. It's very calming. I loved being able to have to sit there with myself and be like, what matters? You know, yeah. um, I found it. I didn't really change my lifestyle too much because I'm a writer. So I'm already pretty like I'm, I'm a loner, even in a relationship, I need a lot of alone time. Sure. Um, you know, I like to have fun and, and do shit, but I also need to be, I need privacy to write. And, um, I, I have been struggling with fear about writing for a really long time. I, I'm unable, I've been unable to finish my scripts because I think that everything that I write is boring, dumb, unfunny, old, you know, all these things. But people have been telling me my entire adult life that I'm, I have to do this. And actually one of my ex-boyfriends, John was like the first one to really just be like your brain. Like, why are you, I was working for Pharrell. Mm -hmm. Love you Pharrell. Um, And he was like, you have the wrong job. Like, what are you doing? Like you have to. And, and I, when I was talking to him about it for the first time about, you know, becoming a TV writer, whatever, my heart was pounding and I literally had like a panic attack. We were walking in Venice and I was like, <laughs> like I was like hyperventilating. I don't think you knew, but I, I felt it. I, I literally like went numb and deaf. Like I was just the thought of sitting at a writer's table scared me so badly. Now that was years ago. And I've since, you know, taught myself how to write and I've been doing it, but it's also like what's in your brain. <laughs> Thinking about like people actually reading it makes me want to vomit. It's tough. Like everyone's like, oh my God, best idea ever. And then you write it down and you're like, this is fucking garbage. You know what I mean? There is something like terrifying about seeing your idea on a piece of paper. It's just like, oh, it's all, it's there. It exists. It exists now. That's it. You did it. And it's just like, oh, I don't, I don't want to ever do that ever. And ever. Yeah. It's terrifying. I know. And then also, you know, like what I go through a lot too is, um, is I see shows like search party and, you know, there's so much amazing content that people make mm-hmm. and, you know, um, M- Michaela Cole's show, I may destroy you. Mm-hmm. And these show these shows that are, that are like that, where I'm like, I could never, you know, or big mouth. It's like dream job is big mouth, you know? Hell yeah. Um, yeah. and you're like, I could never, and then I see just absolute garbage mm-hmm. everywhere else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is all fucking mediocre. Like most stuff is pretty mediocre. So, you know, I, I, I need to, I just, what I have found and like, I, I've been listening to, um, to this audio book called the war of art. Yep. I've, Do you know this? Uh, a friend of mine is also working through that one. Yeah. Oh my god, it's amazing! It's totally cheesy. They have like war music in between each chapter. It's so cheesy. <laughs> I hate audiobooks. Yeah, but I I only use audiobooks for any kind of self help thing and like motivation and stuff. And um, it it it's you know it's just this guy talking about writing or making music or whatever any whatever it is that you do acting and the fear that takes over us and i was like oh you mean everyone feels like this i thought i was just a psycho who sits here and just stares into my computer for eight hours a day until my body hurts you know um and my therapist and like all my friends are like just write just write just write and you can always go back and change it later and the discipline of it has been really hard to learn but I do find that once you, once you listen to yourself, and this is this comes with that forced quietude of 2020, mm-hmm. that you, when you when you focus on making it a jo- like a habit and a job that you really really want, and you don't want anything else, the productivity just happens. And you know, not being on social media has been I can't even explain what it's done for productivity, but also just mental space. Oh, sure. Yeah. So anybody who's feeling, you know, fear and also feels like they don't have time, like delete those apps because you will have eight hours a day. That's all yours. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of looking at people that you shouldn't be looking at, you know, butterfingers. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that 
you know, I feel like people who kind of have like just enough delusion and self-consciousness, self, self-confidence and to just keep going are the ones that make stuff. Oh, yeah. That's why only white men have been doing so much stuff this whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, that's why, right? Like we we are told to naturally champion cishet white dudes and that's who who has been making the things because they get all the confidence because everybody's applauding because they them. never hear no yeah and they also hook each other they just like hook their boys up like mm -hmm. they're just like they just get jobs and money because somebody's like yo yeah like let me get you in yeah you know? yeah if you ever like or find yourself watching a tv show or a movie and you're like why this is crap it's because it was a handout it was from dude to dude that was it there's no other reason <laughs> i mean it's okay so let's talk about this for a minute okay because i feel like in 2020 people fucking snapped and like it's very open conversation now that mm -hmm. they that the gate the, the jig is up yes and they're pissed about it oh yeah which they should be and by the way like uh, no offense to like really nice and really smart and really hardworking, good, kind dude, white dudes. Like we, you and we love you, but you're so far and few between, like you're getting your love. Like I'm not, we're not talking about you. Yeah. And you can also just sit down anyway. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. We have so much trouble like writing, like your dream is to write. You had like a moment where you were even just talking about it and you got so sweaty and nervous and just like we were told to you know sit down be quiet just do what you're good at and that's like sewing and and and, and sauteing it's like damn like no wonder we have fear we don't we didn't get like the the like you know the hand in front the hand of the person in front of us pulling us up too like we had to start from zero even when we're in the middle of our careers we're still starting from from zero, like every single time we have to spend so much time uh, impressing and convincing everybody that we belong there when we've been yeah. doing it for for years. And then nobody questions, nobody questions like fucking Joe, Joe Blow on okay. set. Nobody questions Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> nobody questions Joe Rogan when he shows up or that kind of person shows up like nobody's just like who who's this guy who does he think he is they're just like cool he earned it he deserved it and blah 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 but like if we didn't have to spend that goes across the board to tech yeah everything oh, medicine yeah. anywhere anywhere but it's just like if we didn't have to spend so much time sweating and 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 telling everybody that we deserve to be where we are and and so much time just fucking advocating for ourselves like mm -hmm. we would be up there too it wouldn't yeah. be like one woman bipoc per every five men it would we would all be like fairly all mixed in there like we all have i don't know it's just it's disappointing no i know but i mean it's been true forever and i do feel a shift um i don't you know i think there's still deep structural changes that need to happen you know i'm not trying to devolve into complaining I, my hope is just that well that's the pod though <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's my brand no but I, but for real like i just feel like we're missing so many amazing stories um like i love uh, crazy rich asians but i want to see like I, I love korean film from korea and mm. japanese film and japanese horror and all that stuff and i have for a very long time and i have never understood why in you know in this, in the year of our Lord in 2021, they're still announcing like white actresses to play Asian roles. Like, I, I don't, why? Just why? Like, give it a shot. You can see that this is, people want to see themselves and you can see that there's more stories to tell. Like, make them cheesy, but at least pass the mic a little bit. Sure. I mean, that's like, I, I don't want to see, I don't want to see a mediocre guy find himself ever again. No, well buckle up baby because it's still gonna happen but yeah i mean it, i mean that is just you know just the white supremacy and and executives thinking that oh well nobody actually wants to see any person of color do this i'm just like no nah, i'm not so sure buddies but yeah. yeah it's 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 tough and i'm so glad that everybody's like catching up to 
what's been going down. And like that, this is like the really saying it out loud. What I feel like I'm seeing too, is a lot of, um, cover your ass, like emergency, you know, diversity hires and programming. Mm -hmm. But my thought about that is like, ask for more money, you guys, like take advantage of this. If they're doing this to not because they care, but because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people care and do want to be better and make a difference and change their workplaces and change their companies. And that's the right thing to do. But even if it's some bullshit, just ask for more money right. because now they need you. Yeah. So you take advantage of them too, you know, like yeah. fuck that shit, yeah. play the game. So Sammy, yes, I, I want to hear from you <laughs> about what you hated the most about 2020. Oh man. What, what was like maxing out your cortisol levels? The restaurant thing specifically has really got my goose. Cause there's like, I don't know, like people, the people that work at the restaurants and, and stuff or have been doing like delivery and takeout, like I get that you you want your business to continue to grow, even though the government should have been helping us all out. So we didn't have to fucking keep working through a pandemic. And then we would have been, we would have been clear, like Australia, like they, they had very strict rules. And in, I think in, in, fucking Wuhan, they were very, very strict on on stay the hell inside and everything was enforced. Now they don't have any traces of COVID. And Australia, same thing. They they had fucking curfews that were enforced. They were staying inside. Boom. They're done. Like they're they're reopened now. Oh, what happened in America? Stupidity happened in America. Like we were just talking about how There is a me first mentality. And that is because there is no real sense of community in America. And I talk about this kind of a little bit, uh, but like, this is what we get. This, this elongated, like longer than a year, probably lasting uh, pandemic is because we fucking deserve it. Like, this is the cost of having a free country. This is it. Like, the it's just, people doing whatever they want. Yeah, it's just like well, caring to care for your neighbors. Yeah, there's there's no caring for your neighbors here. I like so like or, or just self discipline. Yeah, there's I mean, no there's no self control whatsoever here because as a nation uh, that champions white men, we all have been acting like white men in a global (laughs) pandemic it's just like oh well it's not me it's fine like people not wearing masks like that's just so rude like it is literally to help to help the people around you and you just can't do it because you don't believe that it's real but people are dying like i just that is stupidity but also imagine being so sociopathic that you're proud of showing people openly that you do not give a fuck about their health or their families and they pretend to care about their neighbors and like help each other in emergencies and we've always done that and then all of a sudden under this freak of a pumpkin whatever rotted out sweet potato of a president it's cool and like tough to like let people know like brag about not giving a shit if they live or die. Like what is like what is that? What is that your brand? You're, That's your brand. This is how tough you are. Is that you're spreading disease? What about these fucking assholes who cannot control themselves? I'm talking about influencers mm. who, first of all, I was hoping that the, the COVID would like kill influencer culture, but it actually like gave it an erection. Like it, yeah. these people are bananas. Yeah, I have seen people posting. Instagrams of being on private planes. We're in a fucking poverty pandemic where like there are 40 million unemployed people. I don't know what the number is right now. I know it's down. People are homeless. Like homeless rates are up like insane amounts. And you're just like flying on a private jet. Like what kind of out of to get away of it, away from it all. It's just like, go eat shit. It's like, great. You know, I've been on a private jet many times because of my line of work and because I have friends with those but do I, I don't go on Instagram during out of respect yeah. for like people's situations or just basic reading, basic ability to read the room. I don't feel a need to brag about, um, you know, the comforts 
that I'm experiencing in, in this absolutely devastating time. And I really think that like I saw on Instagram very clearly over 2020, like where people's minds were and what their priorities were. Like you can see people who are like, it's all about my family or like, Oh my God, I'm losing my mind. But nobody was bragging. And the people that were bragging, it's just like, that's what's important to you. Like you have to show off. You absolutely cannot not show off. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Read the room. And, and, and on top of that, um, I mean, I just think they look like douchebags, but that's their business, whatever. I will tell you the worst thing that I saw in 2020. Yes. The worst. Yes. And there was so much to choose from. (laughs) There's an influencer who I know from like very, very loose mutual friends in New York who years ago, we were both working on the same project, which was like launching, you know, milk studios, like fashion Mm. or whatever. And we just had a little tiny bit of crossover. Actually, I think it might've even been there before this person. And, but I didn't really know her, you know, nothing like I have nothing against this person at all. She was in the Hamptons having a, what she called a Brazilian baptism, Brazilian bikini baptism. And she's, she's got a gorgeous body. This woman takes very good care of herself. She's in the Hamptons and having a baptism for her child in a, an actual Brazilian bikini. Wow. And there's influencers there and it's sponsored. Like they got it sponsored. I was like, who is sponsoring your baptism? It's fucking insane. I'm like un fucking hinge i totally wrote it obviously into one of my shows but oh my god i mean how unhinged are you yeah that's what you're doing at the beginning of a pandemic are you where the whole world is locked inside their homes and you're just like can't help it guys like and so and also the what's more insidious is the way that influencers talk about their bullshit we're like so grateful to just be able to you know, fresh air and, and socially distance. And it's like, you're still, you're flexing. Shut the fuck. We're not idiots. You're just flexing. You are unable. You're, oh my God. Oh, that stresses me out. You so can't much. not do this. Like, what are you going to do when you're not relevant or like, you're not important or like, you're not cool anymore. Like you're, it, this is worse than becoming famous yeah. and losing fame. This is way worse because they, they live on the internet. They live on, they live and breathe this ex- complete external validation. And I can tell you like there, it's not going to end well. Nobody transitions out of that naturally. Yeah. That was my big thing in 2020. I was like fucking die. <laughs> yeah. Or, or uh, weddings, not just like COVID like courthouse weddings, but like still very much scheduled over 50 people weddings. So it's like, Marriage is a lie, number one. <laughs> Two, your wedding guests I'm like have. <laughs> it's fine. Go I've been living a lie my whole life. I just want a new version of I it. Just can't, can't, can't more lies. Number two, like, grandma, grandpa have to come to a wedding. So it's just like what they, they like to do. Like, they, you got to get your grandparents to the wedding. So you're already for sure giving grandma and grandpa COVID from your, to, to, to witness your, stupid lie ceremony <laughs> and and then like oh yeah well you know sean and i are getting married because it's been four months in pandemic and i think we can last through everything it's like no you're gonna get divorced like why are you endangering 100 people well, here's my question here's my question why can't you just wait until everyone can feel safe and you can have the wedding of your dreams like you can't wait another year oh, if you're gonna live together forever what's What's the rush? And also you, you want that, like you want that brand for the rest of your life, especially if you get divorced. Like, well, I mean, I should have known better. We got married during like a deadly pandemic. Yeah. I just feel like having a wedding in a pandemic is just like some sick version of trauma bonding. Like Sean, <laughs> I forgive you because you know, we, we, we got married through a pandemic and that that's really, really hard. And I'm, we, we lasted through it. It's just like, this is so fucking bullshit. I, everybody just needs to calm down. Like <laughs> stay inside. It's not, it's not hard. Everybody better get vaccinated. Oh, that's another glorious thing about our, our culture is everybody's like anti-vax. We are so fucking wax, dude. So stupid. Like how, how did a pandemic 
become bipartisan bipartisan pandemic that's not it like that doesn't work okay well uh let's go through our speed round are you ready for the speed round yes if something really bothers you yes it's annoying if something really doesn't bother you you can let it go okay um so these are submissions from listeners i snuck a few of my own in um all right soaking wet shower floor yes very annoying hangers on the ground yes so annoying. Dirty fingernails. Yes. Licking your fingers. Somebody licking their fingers. No. Okay. Depending on like, um, you know, how sensual they're making it. <laughs> ew. Exactly. Um, I've never seen anybody sensually lick their fingers, actually. It's well, usually just get crap off of them. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're eating crap off of it, I get it. But you better keep those fingernails clean. <laughs> but I would tell you that if I saw someone licking their fingers sensually it would annoy the fuck out of me so annoying this is very annoying (laughs) who wants that (laughs) especially a man oh gosh why would you what are you doing um okay this one i love visible snails without their shell (laughs) Uh, i don't think that's annoying um for some reason when i see snails without their shell it annoys the shit out of me like (laughs) i don't have anything against snails i don't love them but like the no shell thing like what are you what are you doing the fuck out of here get your house Um, yeah (laughs) they're so gross just snot grace not moving around get out of here um okay this one's really common. I feel like people who leave the cap off of the toothpaste, if you walk in and you see a capless toothpaste. Oh, yes. Um, pet hair? No. Okay. People playing music loudly in a car. Yes. It's, I feel like it's, it doesn't really annoy me so much as that it's so corny and embarrassing. I'm like, no, I don't think you're cool. I live on Sunset and I hear stoplight music all day long. Like it's, it's sad. <laughs> Speaking of social media, friend requests from strangers. Look on Facebook. Facebook. Yes. Why? Like who do we have? Like, especially if my profile is private with. Yeah. I don't care if we have 75 mutual friends. I don't know you lady. <laughs> yeah. It kind of, you know, the also, not to interrupt the speed round, but like Instagram, don't follow me if we've met each other once. I, I don't want to have to follow your life, <laughs> especially if it's a work situation. Like you like vibe at some work Zoom and then all of a sudden they're following you on Instagram. You're like, oh my God, I don't want to know who you're married. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to see your aunt's birthday. Like, oh, so rude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, people holding drinks in their hands when they're dancing. <laughs> oh, I do this. I do this. I do this. No. <laughs> You do? Well, somebody submitted it as a really fucking annoying thing. (laughs) I do it. I do it. I'm too busy. I got to (laughs) dance. Okay. But so I think there's a difference if it's like a beer can or like a, you know, beer bottle or something like you're not going to spill it on people, but like martini glasses, everyone's it's over. Yeah, it's over. I mean, I do it. I do it. And I think that that's actually one of the things that I tweeted recently is like, I miss spilling my drink all over my friends when a good song comes on. <laughs> oh man, I miss getting dressed up and sitting around, you know, with a bunch of other basics, just like in a crowded, overpriced, mediocre restaurant on Fridays. But I know that's everyone's biggest, biggest thing. Okay. And then the last one when people ask you questions that demand a long answer on text, like what's happening with homeless people during the pandemic? Oh, like, yes. What? FaceTime me if you want that. What the hell? Like, <laughs> no, there's no way. It's like tweeting. You can't, there's no way to articulate something in like a couple of words. Like, don't ask me questions that demand answers on text. My time, it's not even that my time is precious. My time isn't even that precious. It's that I am running on 2% batteries, like mm-hmm. just like you are, mm-hmm. you know? So we all have to be more efficient and respectful of our communication. I think Definitely. in this new era. Definitely. Um, okay. Well, that was a good speed round. Um, let's, you know, we only have one more segment left of this show for you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is my favorite part of the show. Great Jewish women. 
Great Jewish women, they're really great. Yeah. Great Jewish women, they're really great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, Sammy, have you thought about any great Jewish women that you want to talk about? I, I did. But I don't know if she's actively identifying as Jewish at the moment, but Evan Rachel Wood? Oh, interesting. I forget she's Jewish because she's so waspy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Why? I mean, she's been actively trying to advocate for domestic violence people and she is a big advocate for the phoenix act i think that this might actually just be something that she has done which is the whole the whole purpose of the phoenix act is to extend the statute of limitations for people uh survivors of domestic violence but also recently she decided to finally name Marilyn Manson as this abusive piece of garbage shit. And a lot more people are coming forward with that. And I just think that that's a, you know, more power to her. Yeah. I mean, that is really scary what she's doing. It's very I would scary. just be so terrified. I, I, I have stories of my own, but I'm way too scared to go public about them. And I think it's interesting when people have a public platform, like if, uh, Twigs, FK Twigs. Yes, FK Twigs. And um, I was sobbing reading her story. It's, yeah. Sammy, mm. thank you so much for kicking off this relaunch of this podcast. I've missed you. Missed you too. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, I'd like to wrap up this uh, first episode of 2021 with one thing that I like. And I'm going to be adding this to all the future episodes, just ending on things I like. And the one good thing about the pandemic that I didn't mention in the open is that we got to skip St. Patrick's Day, which I call Green SantaCon. Same holiday, different dates. And not only that, we got to skip it twice. We missed it last year and this year. What a mitzvah. Okay, and so that's it. Things I like. Um, I'm about to sign off. I just want to thank Sammy again for doing the podcast and helping me welcome everybody back. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to, to all of you for listening. And please help me build my little tiny empire by subscribing to Patreon at Everything is Annoying and hitting the tier that you want to be part of. We're also on Clubhouse. We'll be doing some stuff over there. And, um, of course, follow me on Twitter at Vevers. V-E-E-V-E-R-S, with all the other lunatics about podcasts. That's where we all spend our time. Um, and, you know, I just really appreciate and support all the love that I get. I miss you. You're my people. I love to hear from you. And thank you again, guys. I'll see you next week. Everything is Annoying is created and written by me, Vivia L. It's edited and engineered by Sammy Cuneo. Our original theme song is written and performed by Mark Rivers. Our logo is designed by Thunderwing. Original artwork by Akiko Starenberger. And our website is by Candor Branding, based in New York.